Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. First of all, thank you to all of you who have been continuously emailing us, letting us know who you are and why you listen. We've been doing an informal poll trying to identify all the different podcast listeners because we realize that we probably are attracting a lot more than just normal. You know, the real estate agency originally started doing this podcast for all those years ago, and guess what we're discovering? We indeed have. Um, so Tim Ventura, if you're listening, our show producer, he was right. He thought that we have started attracting a broader entrepreneur, business owner um, type audience, and, and it seems to me that we have. The numbers, we're not sure. But it, we're thinking that of the you know hundred to two hundred thousand that listen on a regular basis, we're probably attracting at least a third of you guys that aren't even in the real estate business. Your entrepreneurs and your business owners, and I think this great email that we received today actually um, gives a perfect example of that. Julie, do you have that email ready? I do, and this is from Diana. So thank you, Diana, for sending this in. Uh, she writes, "Hi, Tim and Julie. My husband and I have been entrepreneurs all of our working lives, including our business and investing in real estate." I found your podcast over a year ago and like the straightforward approach. Our children are all independent young adults, and I'm deciding on where I can take my knowledge and experience to serve others in the next season of life. I really enjoy everything about investing, so I'm currently drilling down on all the information. It's great to actually have time to really dig in. Also, I enjoy how much you guys relate business and health and fitness, as well as weight training and fitness, as a huge part of our life. Love the do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Best, Diana. So thank you again for that, Diana. And it made us realize that much of what we discuss here on the podcast does permeate your, your everything in your life. I mean, the do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it, that seems to really resonate with many of you, especially those of you who are entrepreneurs. And there are things in owning your own business that, yeah, you're never going to want to do. And yet, you better be doing it at the highest level. So thank you for that, and thank you also for your kind words about uh, relating, and in our case, many times complaining about Orange Theory and things of that nature. So back to you, Tim. Well, and she does touch on a really good point, too. The, the basic tenets of being a successful small business owner, the rules of how to be a small business owner are really the complete – they're not really much alignment with a lot of the books that are written by these you know, Ray Dalio wrote this great book called Principles. Well, you can kind of sort of maybe in a distant way relate to that book as a small business owner. And let's just say a small business owner is anybody who owns a business with less than 50, you know, 50 employees. I think the definition of a small business owner to the uh, or small business to the government is something like 350 employees. But let's be honest, most business in the country is 50 or fewer employees. Mostly it's like 10 or fewer employees. The perfect size business is probably a business that does about $2 million a year. You know, if you run your business correctly and as an owner, you can do really well off, you know, all these different types of things that nobody talks about on a grand scale because it doesn't sell a bunch of books. Um, and so what Julie and I have had to do as we've created our own, you know, way as entrepreneurs for the past, we've been married for 27 years this year. We've never in the whole time, we've, all, we've never had jobs per se. We've always basically been entrepreneurs, 1099ers or contractors or the whole thing. 
And in doing so, we've also had to stay disciplined about our own, um, you know, everything else that Diana talked about, the wealth accumulation and the, you know, making sure that we keep our family, um, all the things that are important in life. And it is a balance when you're a business owner. One of the things that people don't understand is they romanticize the idea of being an entrepreneur. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Um, and uh, I can tell you for sure that it is easier for most people in terms of the quality of their overall life to never never start their own business. Because to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a little bit crazy because you have to have the antivirus software running in your head 24-7. You're going to dream about it. I look, I don't care how big your business is, how many staff members you add, how many – this is sort of, again, the romanticized version of being an entrepreneur that real estate people in particular love. Well, really, it's small business owners in general. You know, The e-myth kind of you know, has got all this started that you can somehow start this mythical business and not have any sort of managerial uh, skill. You, you can just somehow mat, uh, scale a business and have a bunch of people doing all the shit work so you don't have to do anything. You just basically count the money. I mean, that's what a lot of people believe is true. Because that's how it There's works. A great... Yeah, exactly. Right? That's how... <laughs> so when you're, when you're, when you're oh, kind of forging your own... Right. When you're forging your own path and you're creating your own business, it doesn't matter if it's a franchise or it doesn't matter if it's a... You know, it doesn't matter what kind of whatever it is. If you're in the process of building your own business... You have to realize that in order to be successful, you're going to have to be brutally honest with yourself about the, your real belief in how hard you're willing to work. And that's where most people fail. It's not your mindset. It's not your, all this other hocus-pocus, woo-woo bullshit. It really is basically your dedication to the work. There is just a wonderful book. Now, this, this is the hilarious part. Julie and I recommend this book all the flipping time, and we uh, recommend it to real estate people. I've maybe had, in the thousands of times we've mentioned this book, um, I've maybe had one or two people say that they liked it. Everyone else basically always goes out of their way to tell me how much they didn't like it. And it's called Profits Aren't Everything, They're the Only Thing. All of you should get that book, whether you're in the industry, in real estate industry or not. It is, the, it is such a great way of cutting through the BS about what it takes truly to be successful um, in life, not just in real estate, but in life, and really, it, and obviously, his book's focusing on business. But the litmus test of how successful you are as a business owner, and everyone, you just have this be your rule. It'll make everything so much simpler in your life. Is the profit that you're pulling from your business? So if you have really, really low margins and you're not making any profit, profit enough not just to support your lifestyle, but profit in such a you know, quantity that you're able to reinvest that money and become rich. Rich is where your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money. Um, I'm going to take a sidestep here. Do not develop uh, – Parallels, uh, do not develop income streams that are dependent on your principal business because if the principal business fails, then you're basically going to have all your, your uh, parallel income streams fail as well. Our suggestion is, and it's the simplest thing to do, is when you have a business, it doesn't matter what it is. Once you've basically figured out that your highest and best purpose in this planet is being of service, once you realize that in order to be of service, you have to basically be a master at whatever craft it is you, that you choose, these are all very simple, basic, kind of like common sense thoughts that people struggle with, guys. And then once you realize that you're, realizing you're here to be of service to others, you're in the process of learning and mastering your craft, then you have to fight through the uh, – really innate desire to be lazy. And that's where doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level comes in. 90%, if not more, of what you're going to do as a business owner, you don't want to do. <laughs> that's a fact, Jack. And I don't care if you're a dentist. 
I don't care if you're a doctor. I don't care. It doesn't matter. So stop thinking that there's some sort of romance. It's the whole passion. Oh, you have to follow your passion and the money will fall. That's not true, guys. Maybe for one person in a billion that's true. But for the most, for, for the most part, the money follows when you have the skill set that people are willing to pay for. That's when the money follows. Not just because you decide to follow your passion. So just be really, really, you know, laser sharp focused on the simple fact that you really are here to be of service to other people. In order to do that, you have to b- become the master of whatever it is that you do, the best of what you do. If you're going to settle for second best or second place, you're always going to lose. So whatever it is, and agents, we want you to be listing agents. That's what we want you to be the best at. Everything else in the industry you can suck at, just be a kick-ass listing agent. When you do that, I promise you, and you're willing to do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level, I promise you the money will follow. That's the way it works in every business that I've ever seen. Most people, they'll, you know, they'll start on the business, and they'll be all excited about it, and they'll do it for a couple of years, and then the real work will start of the business. The time requirements will start. They'll start you know, the whole thing, and then they basically let the business fail, or the business just fails on them you know, because they didn't get better at whatever it was that they were providing, either a product or a service. So for those of you who are entrepreneurs out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Being successful long-term, owning your own business is a tremendous amount of work. It's constant work. Um, And uh, are the rewards worth it? For the most part, they are. But you have to see some of the rewards as being intrinsic, opposed to things that you're going to get necessarily a a, a material award for. Like, you know, we're hoping that our daughter sees us working and producing and writing books and doing the podcast and being a contribution to other people. We hope that she sees that as being something that she wants to model her life after. So there's kind of a – that's a nice thing, right? Those are good qualities that we hope she, that she has, sort of the giving, caring spirit that we hope that she gets from us. You know, can't be guaranteed, but probably she'll get it. You know, we want her to see that mom and dad worked every day, always trying to basically get better at what, what it was that they do. So she sees us going to Orange Theory. She sees Julie and I doing the other things because we're trying to role model for her. But the other thing that we know we're doing is we're role modeling for all of our podcast listeners. We're role modeling for all the people that work for us. We're role modeling for all the coaching clients that we have. All those numbers together, you're talking about literally tens of thousands of people. So what we are doing is the same thing that you can be doing in your business if you just think better, bigger rather. So let's say you had a pie shop. Let's say you had a dry cleaning business or a real estate business. It doesn't matter. Think about where it is that you can become the best at whatever it is that you do. How can you go about doing it and, and be relentless until you, until you get there? And look, guys, you've got to really be clear about the amount of work. I keep on saying that, but it's true. That means nights and weekends. That means that your entitlement of a weekend off is not going to happen. That means all the things you're doing on, the, on Sunday for church or whatever is not going to happen. You have to prioritize the business around everything else or it will not succeed. You have international competition nowadays for most everything that's for sale. Anything that you're buying, there's a billion other people around the globe, not just in your own local market, that are trying to sell the same thing. So if you're not thinking like that, you won't win. You'll lose. You, you'll, the business will never make any profit, and you will have literally been better off getting a job at Home Depot. Does this make sense, Julie? Yeah, it absolutely does on, on pretty much every level. That's why, you know, I only half-jokingly say that's why they call it work. They don't actually call it vacation, right? And here's the fallacy is how many people get caught up in, I don't want to work that hard, I don't want to put that effort in because it's going to take away that balance of, 
family, church, fun time, this, that, and the other. And then when the slightest little financial hiccup happens, and that could be an unexpected health care bill, it, it, you know, where your insurance didn't quite cover you. We have lots of examples of that. It could be didn't quite cover your taxes the way you thought. Something changed, and now you owe more than you thought. It doesn't take much when you're running such a low margin to have something sneak up and kick your butt. And then not only does the financial end get ruined, but all of those things that you were protecting so severely, your free time, your family time, your church time, that gets affected a hundred times worse then if you just do what you have to do when you don't want to do it at a high level every day, that actually does buy you the time and earn you the time that you can put into those things that are so important to you while ensuring that you're not going to have some catastrophic financial event that ruins the very thing that you're trying to protect. So listen to what she just said, guys. She's telling you right now that if you basically run your life around a disciplined schedule, Julie and I for the longest time have had very locked-in morning schedules. Our morning schedules start early. We do things pretty much on the every half hour. That's basically how we've run our lives. Why do we do it in the morning? Same reason we have suggest all of you do it, your heavy lifting in the morning. It's because you are going to have the best energy in the morning. Your hormones are going to be the you know you're going to have, men are going to have the highest level of testosterone. You're going to feel better. You're not going to be tired. You're all these other things. So you want to do all the things that you least want to do the first thing in the morning and get them over with. And when you do that and you stay disciplined around that schedule, now we bookend the day with Orange Theory because when basically we're done with Orange Theory, we're done for the day. So we have literally designed our professional lives so that it is the, um, I would say, the uh, as, about, as best as we can do at this point, the inner interweaving of personal and business without having them be in competition for each other. So, you know, Zoe goes to school in the morning. Well, Zoe is going to go to school in about another month in the morning. You know, Julie and I are going to follow this specific schedule. We're going to do the podcast a little bit earlier in the day. We're going to, you know, that coaching stuff is going to happen in the day. Then afternoon, we're going to, you know, work with staff members. We have like 46 people that work for us. And we're going to do, you know, development inside the business. And then 430 is going to be at the end of the day. And that's our day every day. Now, is that boring most days? Yep. Do we want to do it most days? Nope. Do we, are we going to have lots of mornings where we're going to wake up and we're going to wish we had a, hey, had a free schedule with nobody asking us, nobody expecting us, no calls that are pre-scheduled? I have like six scheduled calls after this, and I'm sure Julie does too. Do I, wouldn't do, would I much rather have a day where I didn't have anybody telling me what to do, when to do it, and all the rest of it? Of course. But I know, and you all should know, and you do know intuitively, that if you follow a disciplined schedule of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, that's the key part, the accumulation effect of having done those things day in and day out pays off. It, we always go back to Orange Theory as the best example, but guys, you can use it for anything, saving money. You can use it, for example, of, of rekindling or rebuilding relationships with the people you love. Same thing. You're not just all of a sudden going to have a year of you know, shitty relationship with your spouse and all of a sudden expect to go on a three-day weekend and patch it all back together. It doesn't work like that. So you have to put into your schedule little disciplined things. Now, I don't have to remind myself to do this, but every single day I show Julie um, you know, gratitude. I, same with Zoe. Same with other people that we love. And we do that every single day. We do it intentionally. Sometimes we do it when we don't feel like doing it. Or we don't do it. We say, we say things, uh, you know, a little compliment or something like that when you don't even feel like saying it. But we know we have to do it because the accumulation effect of having done it makes a difference. So this is what we're talking about. This is the level of existence that you have to have if you want to avoid the ups and downs in income, the ups and downs in the quality of your life. This is, this is the truth. 
So listen, guys, we're going to get to our topic today. Um, and again, uh, thank you for the emails. If you got, uh, if you'd like to uh, also let us know, we're looking for. Again, a reminder, we have so many podcast listeners now. We suspect, and it's seemingly true, that a lot of you aren't in the real estate business. We're very interested in what industry you're in, and we're very interested in why you listen, what you're getting from the show. So Julie and I can know where to put more emphasis for the sake of basically improving the quality of what we're producing. Uh, we are in the midst, and I know I've been promising this now for eight months, of actually building a real honest-to-God podcasting studio um, the problem is, is this little ranch that we bought for the office and the podcasting studio didn't have high-speed internet there, but we were there this morning, and we the guys were putting in the poles and the wire in, and they're probably yeah. about 20 houses away from this little house. So once that is all set up, ice yeah, water, might... <laughs> trees, maybe some subway, <laughs> get up moving. <laughs> Yeah, but the, yeah, exactly. But the moral of the story is we should be able to have a real, honest to God, uh, live uh, stream uh, daily uh, show on the internet, which is you know it's not going to be like a news thing. It's going to be more informal. And then uh, yeah, we're going to obviously inc uh, improve the quality of pretty much everything we do on the broadcasting side. So I know that's something that some of you occasionally will nudge us about, saying that we need to you know get our game on, and we're working on it. I assure you. So the topic of today's podcast is housing crashes here, 14 steps, steps to recession-proof your life. And obviously this is related to anybody in a small business. Julie? Yes. So the question to ask yourself is what if you knew for sure that 12 months from now, even six months from now, everything in the real estate business would be completely different? Some of you guys are already there and you've already noticed the differences. So don't hide out. Here are the steps. Step number one. Be introspective. What are your actual beliefs about a recession, about a changing market? Do you believe your own personal economy will be better or worse? What do you actually think about a shifting market? Write it down. Be introspective. Talk about it. Let's, Julie, that'll that'll just help for a you second. not hide out from it. But go ahead. Yes. Let's be, labor that point just for a second. The reason that I wanted Julie to have that as the first point was because Oftentimes, people have a uh, mindset that they can only make money and be of service to people when the economy is going in one direction, be it up or be it down. And real estate, you guys are the ones that are obviously going to really be in fear of the market going the other direction. You need to stop. You need to take a breath, and you need to remember what I'm about to tell you. It doesn't matter what direction the housing market is going. People are still going to buy and sell real estate. They're just going to buy and sell real estate for well. They're going to buy and sell real estate for the different uh, different. I'm sorry for the same reasons they always have, but the skill set you need to have is going to be different because of this market you're going to have to deal with. You know, weary sellers. You're going to have to deal with you know sellers that are still trying to aspirationally price. You're going to have to deal with gun shy buyers. You're going to have to deal with all the emotions, all the rest of it. You're going to have to get really, really good at what you do, or you will not be able to sell jack. That you're going to have to deal with appraisals that are all these types of things. So if you are – check yourself. Do you live in fear of some sort of housing crash or an overall recession? If so, it's because you probably intuitively know that you're not ready for it. So start with your mindset realizing that that fear that you feel is probably justified and you need to take action on it. Point number two, Julie. Yes, exactly. Point number two is embrace the fact that your magic number will be higher. Now, those of you who have read the Harris Rules book and the Real Estate Treasure Map and your coaching clients, you know what the magic number is. So for the rest of you, just so we're not speaking in code here, the magic number is the number of listings you must keep at all times, active listings, 
in order to meet or exceed your financial goals monthly. That means the number of listings, you know, some of the listings will sell, of course, but they'll also spin off business, other listings in the neighborhood from neighbors who, you know, come to your open house, respond to your marketing, et cetera. But also, of course, the buyer sides. You can sell the listing yourself. Having listing inventory is what generates, I call it self-generating your leads so that you don't get enticed to do dumb things like pay for buyer leads. So for everyone, there is a magic number. Maybe that's five. Maybe it's 25. But in a shifting market where you're seeing longer days on the market, naturally that number has to be higher. When you could you know, list something today and have it sold by midnight, well, if you wanted to have three closings next month, you just needed to have three listings this month. That made sense. But if those next three listings have an average days on the market of 60, you already need to have more listings to do the same number of sales that you're used to doing. It just makes sense. I know many of you listening think that real estate is a bit of a wild animal and you know you can't control a lot of things. And to some degree, that's true. There's a lot of moving parts and some of it you can't control. But there are things that you can control, like knowing your magic number, that are actually quite predictable. But if you don't embrace that and know what your number is, you're always going to be chasing that. And you will feel like the business is being done to you instead of you being in control of it. Does that make sense, Tom? It does, and if you guys don't know what the magic number is, here's the quick and easy way to find out. Just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com, and when you sign up for a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches, we're going to give you six books. The book that you want to grab and download the first is going to be um, Real Estate Treasure Map, and all the magic number math and how to go about doing it is in the Real Estate Treasure Map. Yes, you got it. So point number, uh, let's see. Yes, three, related to what we just talked about, focus 110% of your energy on being the dominant listing agent in your marketplace. As Tim said at the top of the podcast, you really can kind of suck at everything else, and you can figure that out once you have that necessity to. But if you're not a really great listing agent, you will always struggle. Remember that working with buyers is physical labor, quite literally. Working with listings is mental labor. Yes, it takes a higher level of skill, but you must focus 110% of your energy on being dominant in your marketplace, especially when the market is changing. Point number four, and this is a tough one even for grizzled veterans, embrace the tough conversations about price and market conditions. Master the scripts. No one else will. And what we're talking about here, you know, tough conversations with both buyers and sellers, but particularly with sellers, when you see days on the market stretching, you see the list to sell price ratio slipping, you must, you know, let's say that your magic number is twice what it used to be. Well, now you've got to talk to all of those sellers, not just about what offer to choose, because those days are going away, aspirational pricing is going away. Now your conversations get down to what have you done for me lately? What are you doing to get my home sold? What's the feedback from the showings? What happens next? So you have to embrace those conversations and not hide out from them because in a changing market with agents that don't have those conversations, those are the agents that get fired. Those are the agents that have expireds. And we always joke with our coaching clients, you're only allowed to go after expireds. You're not allowed to have any of your own. And that requires that you master the scripts. Good news is not everybody will do that and the strong will survive. Point number five. You must speak with all, I just talked about this, you must speak with all of your sellers weekly, even when you don't want to. Here's more of that whole, you know, doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. But doing it at the highest level, 
means that you're following a pattern of informing them what's happened since they've been listed, what happens next, who is sold, who's the new competition, and really doing this very professionally. I think when you look at it more of relationship maintenance and prospecting and getting referrals and, and building that relationship, and less about, oh, my God, I've got to talk to these sellers whose house hasn't sold yet, you have to have your mindset change along with the market. Wouldn't you agree with that, Tim? Oh, totally. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Next I mean, point. If you don't, she's going to be run over. So point number six, might not surprise you to hear this one, stop buying leads. You shouldn't have to with more listings. We talk about that enough. I won't belabor it. Point number seven. No, oh, <coughs> but me. it's Get worth back. Hold on. Okay, up, 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 up. All right, all right, all right. Hover. Up, up. <laughs> but it's worth – but, you know, Julie, it's funny. The whole buying leads thing – it's it's uh -huh. you know not just for real estate everybody does it when you guys see on TV when those commercials are you know they're running commercials for it doesn't matter yeah. how to hire a vet or how to choose a dentist these are all companies that are basically lead generating to sell those leads back to the business owners the problem with the buying leads thing in the real estate industry and you know it's so obvious this was going to happen I'll use Zillow as an example they have used basically our own listings to sell back to the leads that would have and should have been ours. And real estate agents and brokerages were really foolish enough to continue to buy them, and they still do. And now Zillow is, guess what? They've gotten into the home buying business and from, you know, the iBuyer thing. And now guess what they're going to do? They're going to start referring those leads as listing leads back to agents. There's agents right now listing on going, oh, hell yeah, I'll pay Zillow a referral fee for a listing. Okay, hold on, hold on. The commission is rumored to be basically only about 1%. So what this, what's going to happen is these iBuyer companies, well, Zillow in particular, it's, even though they swore they never get into the real estate business, they just got a real estate license. I believe it was in the state of Arizona. They've been selling you guys back your leads for all these years. Now they're going to be selling you, you're giving you referrals for listing leads, and they're going to be paying you basically slave wages, and the real estate industry will line up like sheep. You will line up. You'll say, yes, please give me more. Remember the average lead that they're sending you, the listing that they're buying, house they're buying is less than three hundred grand. So you guys are going to be starting to work for essentially Walmart money as listing agents, and you're going to line up for it. Why? Because you don't know how to get the business yourself. Because you've been so dependent on some big Zillow or one of these other companies to provide you your own business. Where the truth is, everybody knows that your best sources of business are always going to be starting with your centers of influence and past clients. You spoil those people. Generally speaking, they're not going to say, I'll list my house with you for a referral fee, right? Then you've got to meander into the other things that are going to be a proactive lead generation, the things we teach you as far as premier coaching. But those of you who are dependent on something else or somebody else to provide you your leads, to provide you your business, to provide you your cash flow, those people are going to continue to squeeze you, and you will not have an option other than to continue to accept less and less money. This is one of the huge, big problems with the team model. This is the reason that most teams make no profit. This is the reason that most brokerages are struggling, because they have never said enough is enough. We're going to go cold turkey on buying leads, and we're actually going to learn how to go after the business ourselves. Hey, guess what? Think about this for a second. What is Zillow doing? at the end of the day. They are doing what you should have been doing in the first place and going after the business. They are the ones that are getting in between you and your potential clients. All these companies, and just thousands of them now, are doing the exact same thing. They're exploit they are doing the work that you have never taken the time to learn how to do 
and they are cleaning up all the while. You're 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 saying I feel like I'm getting. I hear this all the time. I feel like I'm getting squeezed. Oh my gosh, everybody's squeezing me. Nobody's squeezing you. There's nobody that's forcing you to buy leads. There's nobody forcing you to buy a CRM. There's nobody forcing you to do the postcards or the branding or all the idiot stuff that agents do on a regular basis. No one's forcing you to do that. No one's squeezing you. You're doing it to yourself because you're not willing to be proactive about essentially driving profit to the bottom line and being a proactive lead generator. So please stop saying you're being squeezed. You're not. Please stop buying buyer leads. It leads nowhere. Julie? Julie? Julie went to Premier Coaching. <laughs> Let me see if she told me before she left. That was actually kind of funny. Uh, yeah, she did. She went to Premier Coaching. So listen, Premier Coaching members, uh, do go on and attend the coaching uh, session live. Remember, Premier Coaching members, it happens right after today's podcast. Uh, you can listen in a replay, of course, but you definitely want to attend live because when you do, you get to interact directly with, uh, you know, with Julie and the other coaches that are conducting that class. If you need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Um, by the way, our current book, Harris Rules, is going to be uh, sold out uh, because we, with the new publisher we have, the new version of Harris Rules is going to come out in about a year. So if you've not picked up your version of Harris Rules, the red cover, it's on Amazon. It's an international bestseller. You know, has over 300 five-star reviews. Go there and grab it. Because I think that in September, it's going to be taken off the market, and then the new book's marketing for the new book is going to start. I think the new book, it's essentially a much expanded version of Harris Rules. Uh, it's, I think, twice the size, but we go in a lot more depth into essentially the, the philosophy we have behind essentially business and life and health and all the rest of it. So that's going to be the new book. It's coming out. Officially, it'll come out uh, this time next year. But just for what it's worth, the old, the current version of the book will be taken off the market per the agreement that we had with the, uh, our new publisher. So please don't delay in grabbing that book. I don't remember the exact day it's taken off the market, but I'm pretty sure it's in the next 60 days. If you, get, if you guys need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you the sh- on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.